Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the field. Well, hello, but Stanley Stankup, and me. hello to everyone out there. How is everyone doing today? Yeah, I think we're doing pretty good. Well, Stanley, it's good to see you. What are you up to? Oh, um, I'm getting ready for a baseball game, and and I'm going to be the umpire. Okay. Which, which, yeah, it gets it means that I get to call balls and strikes and strikeouts, and, and guess what? Guess what? Guess what? What? My team is going to win because mm -hmm. I get to call all the pitches. Yep, 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 yep. Well, hang on, hang on, just a minute, Stanley Stankup. You know, you can't just call all the pitches the way you want to just because you're the umpire. You have to be someone who's willing to follow the rules. What? No, you're kidding. My team might lose if I do that. Well, you know, Stanley, being an umpire and calling balls and strikes, that is something which has a serious role in the game of baseball. Mm -hmm. In fact, that has a serious role all throughout life. The umpire can't just be someone who is partial to a certain team. You know, that kind of ruins the whole purpose of the game. Uh, are you sure? Because then, then that takes away my fun and my power. And, and besides, it won't make my team's fans happy. Well, Stanley, you see, umpires are not part of the game just for their power. They're not here just to make their fans happy. In fact, they're there to kind of help the game run a little bit more smoothly. They have a bigger purpose than just, you know, treating the different teams as they see fit. They're actually there to treat the teams fairly. If you call balls and strikes of your team of preference a certain way, then it's no longer a fair game and there's no longer really any purpose in it. There's no reason to aspire for truth or even to do things that are, you know, sporting. What do you mean? Well, Stanley, if a team knows that they're going to win on the front end, regardless of how well they play, or if a team knows they're going to lose regardless of how well they might play, then there's really no purpose to practicing or trying to aspire to something better because there's no real desire, because you can't do anything to actually affect the outcome. Oh, I've never thought about it like that. I guess it could do a lot of damage to everyone in the game, and I don't want to do that. I, I just, I didn't realize how important it was to, to call a game correctly. Uh, umpiring must be done correctly. You know, and that's something which is a larger truth in life, Stanley Stankup. You see, here in the church, we have a lot of different roles and a lot of things that we're assigned to. And throughout time, God has had people that He's given special messages to and special roles to. One of those are prophets. And a lot of times we think about prophets, you know, giving some piece of wisdom about something that may not have happened yet. But many times, prophets are kind of like umpires. They just call balls and strikes. They are declaring the truth of God in the world around them. They're not so much talking about something in the future as just pointing out what is true in the here and now and calling things evil that are evil, things are wicked that are wicked, and just basically calling the balls and strikes rather than scratching itching ears. A lot of times people aren't aware of the truth around them even though it might be very obvious, but sometimes God sends His prophets to declare what is good and true. Wow, that's, that's deep. I, I would like to learn more about that. Alright Stanley, well we're going to go to the studio and talk about it a little bit more. So I'll catch you all there. Hello there, and thank you for joining us here at Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, and there are two others here with me in the studio. I'm Pastor Amanda Farrow. I'm Pastor Mike Proctor. And today, we're going to be talking about the very practical role of prophets, where they simply call balls and strikes. You know, a lot of times we think about the prophetic role doing something where they're talking about the revelation and end times. We might look at the last few chapters of Daniel or maybe the book of Revelation and look at those wild images. 
But then we can see in the early chapters of Daniel, you know, sometimes he just tells Ashpenaz, hey, you're a loser. The people of God have been eating the food of the Jewish diet for a long time, and that's fine. We'll be fine. Sometimes the prophets just call the brawls and strikes. They just say the quiet part out loud, and there is a great ministry in doing that. So today we're going to be talking about all of this. And Pastor Mike, would you open us up in prayer? Absolutely. Almighty God, as we come before you, we give thanks for your uh, unfailing care for all your creation. And Lord, you provide salvation through your Son, Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And we give uh, thanks uh, from the bottoms of our heart, from our all, our being. And so, Lord, with that thanks, we ask for you to come and transform us, that we can be that image to be reflected in this world. So I pray for each and every uh, viewer and streamer who is watching, Lord, for your spirit to rest upon them, as well as Pastor Amanda, Pastor Dylan, and myself, that we, as we look to your scripture and uh, uh, enter into a conversation, Lord, that we are transformed more and more like you. Uh, We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 And as we begin today, we are going to be looking at the gospel according to St. Luke chapter 2. And you're going to see Simeon and Anna. And in both cases, they're not really saying something, which is some hidden knowledge or something which is a big secret. But they're simply speaking the truth of what is happening in the world regarding the newborn king. So, Pastor Amanda, would you read for us out of Luke chapter 2? All right. Hear the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 38. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace. According to your word, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of eighty-four. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At the moment she came, and began to praise God, and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. All right. Thank you, Pastor Amanda. You look there, and really those last three or four verses package all of this up. Verses 36 through 38, they show you that this prophet Anna, she's just there living in the midst of all this, this prophetess. She sees this child. She sees what has happened there with Simeon. And she, who's spent her whole life there worshiping, she spent a life dedicated to God. She simply walks out in the streets and starts speaking the truth of this child. You know, there's nothing really miraculous about that in the sense that it's supernatural Mm. but it's miraculous in the sense that she's fulfilling the natural call of god if you can kind of wrap your head around that (laughs) sometimes the miracle is just living up to the very basic things which god calls us to do 
And this is something that I think was very important for us to talk about in the modern day and age is because as our culture kind of gets increasingly hostile to Christianity, we see a lot of people move away from the biblical worldview. I think one of the things that is really fundamental across the church is to simply be men and women who are willing to stand up and call balls and strikes and say, this is what the love of God actually looks like. This is how we pull you to the gospel. This is the beacon. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to open up for conversation around that because so many times we think about prophets doing things like, you know, on the 11th day of the 11th month <laughs> at the 11th hour, you know, Jesus is going to return and we're going to sell a book about it. But in truth, sometimes the prophets are just out there calling balls and strikes, saying it like it is. Pastor mm-hmm. Mike? Yeah, you know, obviously anytime we, we hear a prophet give a revelation or whatever, it's pertinent to the folks at the point in time around the prophet. Mm-hmm. Um, it, for her or him, whoever whoever is is the prophet there, as they give this information, sure it might be something that um, can be hermeneutically or you know spiraling on around and come around again for for the future. But it has something very important for the people there, and we see the prophets doing some pretty weird things sometimes. Um, one of the things the prophet has to do is get himself out of the way and be God's instrument. And so he's got to get all his biases out of the way, kind of like we were talking with Stanley Stankup. You got to get not what you want, but this is the truth as coming from God. And f- in fact, that's what, you know, a prophet is. It's the mouthpiece of God. Yeah. And when you're talking there about biases or something like that, it's not just about trying to appear neutral. It's about trying to get to the truth and elevating the truth of God to the point that says this is the standard by which we measure ourselves against. Mm-hmm. And you kind of talk there about how a lot of times the prophets do crazy things. You even see John the Baptist out there eating the locust. <laughs> but in truth, I think a lot of times they may get driven to that. You know, <laughs> you, you can only be Isaiah who has seen the throne room of God and then come back to watch what people do so many times before you just find yourself pulling your hair out eating locusts and i'll let amanda pick up here she's over there laughing no i think that's great i mean that's a good imagery um and i think ministers could can specifically relate to that imagery a lot where we do feel like you know what that's it maybe the essenes and and the monks that are out in the middle of nowhere had, had, were hey, on it and like, i think all righteous people can relate to that laymen <laughs> right. clergy, well, no, whatever yes. bring if, the camel's hair on the, the vest yeah but um, you know, I was thinking, and something we kind of mentioned this even last week, but with what Pastor Mike was saying about getting ourselves out of the way, and then also Pastor Dylan, you referencing Isaiah 6, I, I remember a minister preaching at one point, uh, I think it was in a revival or camp meeting on that passage, and, and he talked about how like the, that chapter opens up with, in the year that King Uzziah died. And how a lot of people really liked that king. They praised that king. They were looking really focused on that king. And it took him, it took him dying for people to not focus on him, but yeah. to focus on God. And yeah. maybe that's why at that time, Isaiah then has this revelation because his eyes were no longer fixed on an earthly system, a, a, an earthly promise of power and security, yeah. but instead we're now shifting to looking at God. And, and so I think that is something important um, that we have to understand in like, and I, I think sometimes we do in our modern world, we're like, where are the miracles? Where are the revelations? Where are the prophets? And like, well, they're here. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, again, prophets tell the future only in the sense of like, I can foresee in your future, if you go out and play in traffic, 
you will get hit by a car. Yeah. Like that, well, That's cause and effect, and that's what yeah, the prophets yeah. then speak and to. To the point you just made there, here in the modern day and age, a lot of people do feel like, where are the prophets? And a lot of times we, when thinking about revival, we say, well, you know, am I really there yet? Do I have enough answers mm-hmm. to deal with the problems in the world? Am I prepared enough? Do I have my house in order enough that I can really step into that role? Because a lot of times that's one of the distractions that people fall into. Mm-hmm. They say, you know, I don't have all the answers. I don't know how I would answer somebody who's, you know, contesting me or trying to argue against me or attack me, whatever. But in truth, when you actually look at the prophets that God has called, I don't remember any special time that the angel Gabriel sits like Mary and Joseph down and says, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is your response when somebody says this. Um, The angel's basically like, you're going to have a child, you're going to name him Jesus, raise him righteously. Mm -hmm. And you can even look at like Zachariah, when Gabriel comes to him talking about John the Baptist, he doesn't sit him down with like a list of to-dos, like, you're going to do all this, you're going to do all this. You need to make sure he's prepared against Herod in this way because mm. there's going to be an attempt on his life and they're going to try to chop his head off and you got to stop that, <laughs> which, again, John Not does get Not very Terminator-esque, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he says this is the goal that God has for him. Mm-hmm. Raise him. Let him have joy in your house. Pastor Mike? You know, it says uh, back in the first part of that passage that we read that, you know, uh, Simeon, he was a, a holy man, and the Spirit rested upon him. And, you know, that that's what that holiness means, is what makes this man holy is he's given himself totally to God, and the Spirit of God is resting upon him. And obviously, obviously it's resting upon Anna as well. And so with that being said, you know, it is no longer about self. Idolatry is out of this picture that they are totally... Uh, Holy in the sense that they've given themselves to God for God to use however God would like. Yeah, and you know, I'm not one who likes to rate sins or scriptures against stuff, but I will call balls and strikes when stuff is underrated. Mm. And I do think both Anna and Simeon are some of the most underrated prophets and prophetesses in scripture. And that might just be because they're part of the nativity story, and we only have a month that we really talk about that. So it's hard to pack in John the Baptist, the angels, the shepherds, and of course, baby Jesus, and then also get to Simeon and Anna. But I think the practical function they both serve, but also miraculous function they serve, because people in our modern day and age, we wonder when revival is going to break out or how it might break out. And we often wonder, you know, I'm not well enough equipped for that. And you know, in truth, you may not be well enough equipped for that, but do it anyway. You'll find out that God will work with you even though you feel like you're unequipped and may legitimately be ill-equipped. You're not supposed to be God yourself. You're not supposed (laughs) to make yourself into an idol. You're supposed to just follow him. That's what real faith is. And to the point of what we see going on here, calling balls and strikes is a bit of a miracle in the sense that it does take some backbone doing that. And it also requires you to really step into the wisdom of God and say, even though I may feel a little emotionally uneasy about this, I'm going to rely on God anyway. I'm going to take that leap of faith. Mm-hmm. So, Pastor Mike? Yeah, I think a lot of times we look at the transfiguration and and we see Jesus, we see Moses and Elijah there, and Peter, you know, acknowledges their presence and wants to, you know, build, uh, you know, tents for all three. And, and, you know, this is my son, you know, don't compare him with them. And, and so the voice of God the Father coming out and, and uh, you know, we do that with, I think, in you know, with Anna and Simeon here, 
it, they just really, it, they're extremely important, but they pale in comparison in the Christmas sure. season sure. to the coming of our salvation sure. in Christ Jesus. They're part of it. Yeah. But again, Jesus is, is, uh, is, the, is the focus. Yeah. And so I think they are, that's part of their holiness is, is they don't receive that attention because the story here is pointing to Jesus. And yeah. yes, we don't put enough emphasis on, on what they're doing there. But uh, at yeah, the same time, you know, Jesus is the, is the centerpiece of this whole story. And they certainly make Jesus a centerpiece. Yes. And we can learn from how they do that. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm, I'll let P- Pastor Amanda slip in here. Well, I was just thinking, you know, um, I, I think it's the Sunday after Christmas Day that their, their story, this passage, is part of the lectionary text. And then also if you celebrate Candlemas, which is February 2nd, mm-hmm. um, that also celebrates their story as well. And, and so um, it might be... Uh, that we need to reclaim some of those celebrations. I've always thought it was interesting while we kind of read their story twice in the lectionary because yeah. you do you read it right after the Christmas story in the in Christmas time, but then like uh, two months later, like throughout that month of January and into February, depending on where Lent lies, you're reading like Jesus growing up and him, you know, calling disciples, and then all of a sudden you like go back in time, uh, back to his uh, dedication. It's very interesting, but yeah, no, and I, I like this passage. Like you said, they are kind of unknown characters in the Christmas narrative. They're unknown kind of characters in the Bible in general. And they they played this vital role really in preparing, like you're saying, Mary and Joseph in the story. Because they, they've heard the angels. The angels have told them, you know, Jesus, you'll call him Jesus. He will save, you know, the world from their sins. Uh, he will be Emmanuel. God is with us. But this is the first time, I believe, we're getting to the part where Simeon is telling her, like, this is not just going to be all happy. Yeah. Right. This, this is, um, bad things are on its way. And it's amazing that in the midst of this, that though, even though there is some warning, um, in this, that does maybe make us a little bit more kind of prophetic and how the pop culture, uh, talks about it. Um, but there's also praise that are happening Yeah, and there's rejoicing that is happening and and I think that for Mary and Joseph, who are probably still very confused on what they're supposed to be doing with this Christ child, um, I couldn't even imagine what would be going through my head as a parent in general with a new baby, much less the child of God. And so I'm sure they're already utterly terrified. And yeah. then to have two random people you don't know to come up to you and be like, oh, yeah, that angel that came to you, no joke. That's the Christ child. And not only is that the Christ child, but because of him, the world will drastically change and it won't always be pretty, but we can still praise God and rejoice in that. And, you know, anything that is worthy of joy is also worthy of sorrow. Mm. And to really understand nobility, it's not something that's safe. And in fact, a lot of times it's quite dangerous. There is that violent opposition to truth and goodness. And as the story is going to unfold, again, we, we know what happens there with King Herod when Jesus is a baby. And there is a huge cost to God coming and bringing us salvation. It's not just a a safe, fun little walk in the park where, you know, at some special cross that's not painful to die on. Um, the prayer in the garden was just all for show. Um, it, it is a real suffering Savior that is also the most beautiful, loving, and noble thing you could ever imagine. Mm. And and in this story, you find the truth of God being revealed. 
And what we have to understand from this is that there really is a very practical role we can have in our modern day and age in a very effective ministry in simply declaring the truth of God. You may not have to have some secret special knowledge. If God has come to you and given you that secret special knowledge, then praise be to God. But we've been given scripture. We've been given God's revelation in many ways. Mm -hmm. Do well with that. Do something meaningful with that. And that's really just what I wanted us to talk about today. Um, I don't know if anyone else has any final thoughts on this. Pastor Mike? Well, you know, I think it's just as we heard Stanley Stankup saying, you know, the fans are not going to like it. (laughs) Understand that, you know, often the message of truth is something people don't want to hear. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, Anna and Simeon, they have a pretty rough message there yeah. for us to hear, but we also have to realize it is the truth. Yeah. And and if we look at the history of what the prophets went through, many of them come to very, um, you know, terrifying ends. Yeah. And to that point, we brought up Moses earlier, and you even see Moses, Elijah, you have the transfiguration, you see some prophets of old there. You look at a lot of these prophets, Isaiah, Moses. Um, Some people may not consider Moses a prophet, but he's kind of the prototype, literal mouthpiece of God. Mm -hmm. So I think you could put him in that category. (laughs) Yeah, and Aaron. Aaron is literally Moses' prophet. Yes. If you think about it, he's the mouthpiece for Moses. But I also get the impression that all of these people, even Anna and Simeon here, are probably tired. They've gone through a lot. I mean, these two here, they're, they're not young. But they've also spent a life devoted to God. And they, there's this idea that when you call balls and strikes, you may end up somebody who's just tired, worn out, and you go over and you grab your locust and your honey. You just kind of, this is my, my meal for tonight. I'm not even going to bother to brush my hair. Um, who cares at this point about my physical appearance? I'm just over here declaring the truth of God. I'm so tired. Um, and Amanda's laughing at that. I'll let her kind of respond. Well, no, I was just thinking, uh, even uh, Wednesday night, I was talking, I, I'm a nerd. I love talking about Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. And so we were discussing that Wednesday night at church and pre- the sequel trilogy. And I know a lot of people like were really upset about how they portrayed Luke Skywalker in that series. And I'm just like, no, no, this makes perfect sense to me. Because only with somebody who's already tried to save the world, when the bad guys come again, the next generation would be just like, see ya, and like hops off to the middle of nowhere. Like... It does. It makes perfect sense. And, and I think a lot of us, especially after this very exhausting year, although there have been some good things that have happened, um, I think we can, we wish we all could just go off into an island or a monastery by ourselves. But then we hear this call of Simeon and Anna, who instead of running, like they, they, they were retirement age, probably twice over because of, you know, of everything that's happening. Society probably even wanted them to go off into the middle of nowhere. Um, I don't know, but instead they stayed at the temple. Yeah, they they stayed where they were called to be, and they continued to work in the life of the church. Well, even though it wasn't called the church yet, in, in the life of the people of God, yeah. they they stayed they where. Yeah, and and I think that can be encouraging for us because, like you said, one we don't feel prepared, but I think two we feel tired. Yeah, and just to know, yeah, it's it's a long hard haul, but we've got to keep doing what God has called us to do. And, you know, that's a great place to to wrap this up and go to our our next segment. Stay at the temple. Persevere. It may not be that excited, wild, ecstatic young man eating the honey and locust. It might just be the tired, exhausted Anna who hadn't brushed her hair in 20 years and just reaches over and snatches up one crawling across the floor and says, all right, meeting it. This is dinner tonight and going on with stuff. Um, But stays true. Stays true to God. All right. Mm -hmm. So. 
We'll be back. We're going to play some buy, sell, or hold. We're going to do some balls and strikes with things <laughs> that you may not want to wear at the time of the rapture. So we'll have some comedy as we wrap all this up. So thank you for spending time with us here at Kingdom of the Logos. Alrighty, since we're talking about calling balls and strikes, there's a lot of things that people wear as part of their wardrobe that need to be sorted out. We need to call some balls and strikes <laughs> on that one, especially Sorry. when we realize that one day you will have to go before God. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we are told, be prepared because he will come like a thief in the light. So therefore, be dressed. <laughs> and we're going to play buy, sell, a hold with some things that you may not want to, to be wearing at the time of the rapture. And a couple of of things that kind of brought us to this conversation a couple of days ago, I ended up picking up a pair of Crocs that I had in high school. They were down at my parents' house, which, again, my dad's right over there. And I brought them home from one reason or another. My shoes got ruined. I had to throw them away at his house. And I had the Crocs at my house, and it was like 10 p.m., and I'm sitting up with the dogs, and I'm like, should I put on the Crocs and just wear, like, shorts and a T-shirt at night? I couldn't bring myself to do it. I was like, I can't even let the dog see me like this. Um, you got to have some self-respect. But then we started thinking, what about if the rapture happens? Would you want to be caught wearing the clothes you're wearing now when you go before God? So we're going to play buy, sell, or hold with that. The rules are simple. Buy, you think it's acceptable. No, wait. Buy means you would not want to be caught in it. And sell okay. means you are okay being caught in it. All right. Okay. So number 17 through 19, because we got a list. So we, we've got three. Okay. Um, your church clothes mm. or some formal clothes, something like a choir robe. Sometimes we do things that are a little exceptional at church. Maybe we sing in the choir. We get out those nice robes. I know when I was young at Grace Chapel, they had the, I believe it was red robes they would put on. Or maybe the monk tunic that some people had in the past, a nun's habit. What about that official wear that you might put on? Yeah, not not that you can buy your way into heaven, but I do feel like that's, that's probably your best bet as far as clothing options go. If, like, you have to show up um, to heaven with the clothes you die on, I, I think. Um, also, I don't know if you can buy, if you can pass as an angel, too. I'm being very funny. Never, but I'm like, if you could, you could just be like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Pastor Mike? Um, I'm going to sail. You're going to sail? Yeah. So you think it'd be fine to wear that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I do too. I, I'm fine. All right, so let's get into some funny ones. Okay. So number 16, um, profane T-shirts, things that say things like drive it like you stole it. Um, when I was doing a missionary trip to Nicaragua, and I'm not going to say the words online, but they speak Spanish there. And we were helping this elementary school out. And the principal at the elementary school, she had on a T-shirt that had the words to a, a English rap song that were all cuss words. <laughs> and she had this... Um, shirt on that said cusses ain't cuss and it was the b word ain't and then the mm -hmm. s word and here she is running this whole school wearing a shirt that says that with these little kids um and could it was both english? funny what's that could she speak english no no she had you know i think that was her trying to say listen i have a shirt that's in english i want to be accommodating here had no idea <laughs> yeah what she was doing um yeah, yeah. I, All right. So, what about um, what about that profane T-shirt? Drive it like you stole it. Something <laughs> like that. Yeah, uh, I I would buy that. This and the, the, that means yeah, we wouldn't we wouldn't want to be wearing that on our way to the pearly gates. I I think that would uh, 
again that might might it sets a tone for that conversation with saint peter that we may yeah. not may yeah. not want to i, I don't know that i would want to come up to saint peter with the bees ain't s shirt on <laughs> let us remember that god knows all he sees all he's ever present ever powerful no, no. <laughs> I, i'm like yeah i don't even think you need to wear something like that all, any at any time all right. So next on our, our list is something like a, a costume. A lot of people, they have their TV shows and things they like. Maybe you really like Star Trek. Uh, maybe you, you you mentioned Star Wars or something like Doctor Who. There's a lot of costumes that people have about their favorite show. Would you want to be caught in sort of a costume playing some fictional <laughs> character being brought up there dressed like Darth Vader or something like that? How How would you feel about that going before God? I love that idea. I think oh I think God would just roll his eyes and be like, "Yes, my child, <laughs> like it's okay." <laughs> like, oh my goodness! Oh my my! I would if, Amanda. If, if I get pastor. to if you get to haunt people with the clothes you die in, that would be a fantastic story. Like, let me die in my Doctor Who jacket, which I do have one. Um, yes. Oh my gosh! I think I figured out if I, that's my funeral clothes now. I got it. I well, have my idea. You know, to the point of that. <laughs> Going back to the T-shirt things, like some profane, like cheesy T-shirt to have to like wear that for eternity oh, would be eternity. really bad, yeah. really bad. I, I I do not want to have on the Star Trek shirt that says "Beam me up, Scotty" oh, during the rapture when when the rapture occurs. No, that's just uh, inappropriate. Um, that's which this is which satire, I think that's people. a buy. I don't know. I, buy that I would not want to wear that. Though. Yeah, that would be a buy. Okay. And this is satire. This is not official theology doctrine <laughs> on how the day of judgment works. Though we can get into that because it's actually a very sophisticated, and we know a lot more about it than a lot of times we pretend we do, but that's a conversation for serious times. We're doing comedy right now. Um, for the record, I love me some Star Trek. Um, would you show up to the pearly gates with a beam me up Scotty shirt on? I don't know about that, but if I can have one of the original, like, Captain Kirk outfits, okay. oh, yeah, like, straight up. Yes, mm. big time. There you go. Because we don't know when, when Christ is coming, so what, you know. Just, just I, I guess I just prepared. need to dress like that every day. Yeah. yeah. Oh. All righty, so coming up next, a TNU shirt. So something like your university or something like that. And, of course, TNU being Trevecca Nazarene uh -huh. University, the local Nazarene school where we're at. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I could leave it or take it. Yeah, I could leave it or take it, too. I, I'm not having... I do not want that shirt on. That's a buy for me. Okay. Well, you know what? That's true. I That's not going to happen to me because I don't ever wear a shirt like yeah. that. So that's not even on the table for me. So I guess I've got to buy for that reason. I, don't, I think I've, I finally have... Like, all my Trevecca shirts have worn out. So, yeah, I don't even think I own one anymore. No, I do own one. So it could be a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, it's not even possible for me. All right. So how about this, number 12, an Elvis shirt. I did it my way. Yeah, again, Ooh. it's, yeah, it's setting a bad mm. tone. Mm. Um, I do think I've heard stories of pastors who've been to funerals where that's been the song, the final song, I did it my way. And um, not, I don't, not the worst choice probably, but yeah, it does, it definitely does. Uh, it begs some questions. Yeah. It, it, it's um suspect. <laughs> it is, yes, a little suspicious. No way. Yeah. <laughs> no way. No way. Yeah, so we'll, we'll buy that one. Buy, yeah. All right, so we could just say this is bad shirts to wear. Okay. And that's a that? double, that's a double too, because Elvis is the king, but not the king of kings. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know how you deal with that, but you got a lot of explaining to do when, when yeah, you, you show do. up with, 
with I did it my way. I did way. my way. <laughs> All right. What about a uh, Grim Reaper Halloween outfit? Is that something we would <laughs> want to wear? Hilarious. I think that would be funny. I think God's got a sense of humor. I think I think God would enjoy that. I'll I'll, I'll uh I'll, I'll I guess sell that. I can't remember how which one these mean, but um I'd be okay showing up. I'm not I'm never gonna wear one, so it will never be a possibility for me. But if someone else did, I, I'd watch that. <laughs> yeah, mm. Pastor Mike, I, I just I you know I can't I can't. <laughs> I don't know. I just I don't know. I just can't. So that's that's a buy for me. I, I can't wear that one. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna buy two on that one. Uh, the number ten pajamas. If you were wearing pajamas, would you want to be seen by Saint Peter in pajamas? Uh, it wouldn't be the end of the world. No. Uh, I mean, well, it depends on what you wear as pajamas, but. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to add a caveat to this since I'm the one over here running this, um, running this computer and stuff. We're going to say the pink bunny pajamas from A Christmas Story. <laughs> oh. And as an adult wearing that, which you can buy stuff pretty similar to that at yeah, Walmart. Yeah, you can like buy that, onesies yeah. now that make you look like Elf or or like you know Gingerbread the Man. Pink bunny, probably. Yeah, pink, or the pink bunny. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I don't no, know. No, no. But we do spend a lot of time. Like sleeping, so like again, odds are it might happen at nighttime. So there is a high probability that a lot of us are showing up to heaven in like sweatpants and and like t-shirts with holes in them and and you know our hair undone. So, uh, but for the grace of God, yes. <laughs> but from the grace of God, ch- 